Welcome everyone to OnChain Alpha, a weekly podcast where we explore the world of on-chain data. We unpack valuable insights and novel applications of on-chain data together with the people who are building the most innovative data infrastructure, analytics platforms, and writing your favorite threads and articles. Make sure to sign up to the newsletter, which is linked in the description below. I'd also like to thank our sponsors for today's episode, Mosaic, your destination for on-chain rewards from your favorite brands, Bankless DAO, Media and Social DAO, onboarding 1 billion people to crypto. You can find all those links to learn more about them in the description below as well. Today, we are talking to Open Data Community, an open source DAO that emerged from Gitcoin in the fall of 2022, the home of the Regen Rangers, protecting Web3 from fraudsters and the risks of centralization at the data layer. Our guests are Evan Powell, core contributor and founder, and Guillaume, aka Popo, core contributor and data scientist, also lead developer of Civil Score Python package now available on Gitcoin Grants. I will link that later on in the description as well. Some of the topics of the conversation today will be on-chain agents, Gitcoin Grants, and civil resistance. And we'll also talk about emergent trends in crypto and AI. I'm really excited for this chat today. How are you doing, Evan and Guillaume? Good, great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very happy to be on Crypto Sapiens. My pleasure. Now, Evan, you and I go back, I mean, not terribly long, but you know, for for a little while, I think at MCON one, we or MCON two, we met up yeah, in Denver. Denver. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's I remember you talking a bit about what you were going to be doing then, and it's just wonderful to see how far the project has come along, all of the impactful work that you're doing in the space of open data. So to get started, why don't we just briefly talk about how you got into crypto? And then we'll also ask the same of Guillaume. Yeah, yeah, great. That was a that was a key moment for me, actually, uh, meeting you uh, and, and getting to know, you know, some of the people behind uh, behind some of these projects, including Crypto Sapiens that we've all uh, been aware of for some time. Uh, but it was great to meet you then. And thanks again for having us. Uh, for me, I'm a many time founding uh, CEO of generally open source projects. So whether it's, you know, event driven automation or a lot of data stuff, so storage, I helped found a couple of what became pretty big or at least widely used uh, storage projects and, and so forth. And for me, I, I was looking around after the last company um, and thinking, how can we kind of help fix this funding gap when it comes to true or at least technical uh, creators? So technical creators. Uh, do we all have to try to build unicorn to get our projects supported? What about this long tail of orphaned projects or projects where it's, you know, somebody working 12, 14 hours a day uh, and that dependency is in everyone's code and, and what's going on. And, and Gitcoin, of course, and the team there foresaw this issue years ago. And so I, I thought, hey, why not see if I could volunteer my way into a role at Gitcoin? And that's kind of where I was at when I was chatting with you. And uh, yeah, it's been a great ride, I would say. Um, and I also have uh, I'm disabused of certain notions, positive and about crypto that we can get to uh, a little bit later. Wonderful. Guillaume, how about you? How'd you get into crypto? I first touched crypto back in 2018 uh, when 
they were the bull market. But then I stepped on and I did not quite understand first because I did not research it. But in 2020, when I really got into what Bitcoin was, um, that was very interesting to me. Like being able to exchange and send transaction value over the blockchain, over the internet. And so that's what when that's when I really got into crypto. I started learning everything about Bitcoin and then I move on to Ethereum. And here I am a few years later, passionate about Web3. Recently quit my job to come full time on that space. And I really joined and understood about Gitcoin and open data uh, last year when I was looking for side projects and I found that Akaton that was started uh, started by Evan and the FDD workstream and that's what made me join over so the, the open data community and staying a, a core contributor here. That's that's actually great and actually segues pretty nicely into the next part of my question. How did open data community get founded? We just heard from Guillaume that there was a hackathon that was started by you, Evan. Was that part of the open data community or did that uh, was that like a predecessor to the open data community? Uh, yes, uh, both, I guess. Um, and, and so really it was, you know, there's a vision of a, of a number of people. Um, but yeah, for, for sure, what we saw at Gitcoin, what, what Gitcoin uh, has been doing really is decentralizing itself. So what does that mean? Uh, well, from a technical standpoint, it's uh, has been kind of a marketplace, right? A SaaS-like centralized marketplace that is now becoming more of a protocol. And so while the rounds that are ongoing now, and shout out to uh, a few open data community related projects that are in the round now, uh, incidentally, and we will be defending this round as well. Uh, and we can talk more about that. But anyway, um, what we saw was the need then to enable not just Gitcoin to protect its own round, but potentially all of the hundreds or maybe thousands of communities over time that might want to do data science to protect these funding rounds, to protect it as well. And so we thought an open source community could be a way. Uh, very quickly, we also saw that there was a risk, and we'll get into this, especially given uh, the focus of your, your podcast and, and, and your effort here, we saw there was a risk of centralization of capture uh, as well at that data layer. And so we we picked up the mission of, you know, protect Web3 and try to resist centralization. So that happened getting on a year ago, the ideas were were spawned. So it's, it's still pretty, uh, initially it was as part of FDD when FDD existed, um, which is the fraud and, and, and data defense part of Gitcoin at the time. And then we went, you know, fully solo earlier this year. Uh, yeah, so it it uh, it really fits with what's happening more broadly in in Web three, but certainly Bitcoin, which is this attempt to decentralize decentralize yourself, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me how on chain data plays into the work that you do at Open Data. Like, what is it firstly about on chain data? that is important and fascinating to you? And how does that connect to the work that you do there? Well, I'll kick it over um, here. I'll just say very tactically, right? As this 
project, Gitcoin itself, went from being a centralized SaaS solution to a protocol, it meant that a lot of the off-chain sources of information that we might be able to use to defend from attackers went poof, right? It went away. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, you know, IP addresses, right? Uh, Or uh, your Gitcoin profile. Um, And so it really forced us to, the whole community to get get closer to the on-chain. Um, but yeah, on-chain is is everything, and it's really exciting. I think folks like uh, real data scientists uh, view uh, the the potential of Ethereum as this uh, decentralized, neutral, open platform as a way to really get signal out of behaviors that otherwise would be behind some centralized system. So from that standpoint, we're getting a lot more signal, but we've had to give up the off-chain signal. I don't know, but Yes, that, that's also the openness of a bit of a blockchain. Like on-chain data is about being able to access the data that is on-chain and try to understand it, uh, understand what's going on, which trends are some rising, or maybe one protocol that is kind of new and making a lot of transaction for some reason. So it's very fascinating space. And it's also an probably endless game because you can always look into more data to try to find more patterns. Uh, when you are doing civil analysis, as we have been doing on Gitcoin grants, uh, you have some basic heuristic you could apply to detect them. But then you could go to very, very sophisticated methods to try to analyze and pinpoint some a cluster of addresses that are attacking the round. So that's very fascinating to always dig into it and find new things, find new buttons. That's great. You know, I, I, I think I also want to take the opportunity in this first episode to draw, I don't know if a line in the sand is the right way to say it, but open data versus on-chain data. I think uh, sometimes we use words together or you know to kind of uh you know to kind of mean the same thing right so on-chain data open data decentralized data these are all different things aren't they like open data you mentioned something just a few moments ago about like how you used to work with off-chain data and the kind of uh the the future course or at least the current course of open data community and trying to build with these on-chain primitives. Can you just briefly describe, and you being whoever wants to take this, what is the biggest difference between off-chain and on-chain data, which I think is pretty obvious just based on the name, but in terms of how you work with it as well, the availability of that data? Because I think you were talking a bit about that, Evan. Yeah, it is uh, it is just a massive source of data, um, and you, you can get a lot of nuance out of it. Um, and and uh, certainly something that we're excited about is is now, and definitely in September, uh, we have a real big push around using some pretty advanced AI to um, to to find signals. And it's actually a really active area overall in AI and deep learning, in particular, is what we're talking about. So if you look at a lot of our approaches to date, they've been uh, 
based on heuristics or, you know, even features, right? So if this behavior happens, let's code that in and maybe let's look at three of them or <laughs> in the case of Pow Pow, you know, maybe 18 of them, right? And, and combine them. And that's great. But there's a, also what's happening in deep learning is basically to some extent, let's let the model find the features. And that's, uh, that's awfully hard to get around if you're a civil attacker, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't, even if you are a spook and figure out what features we've been looking at in the past, it's a little bit hard to know what the new model will find. And so that's uh, how we're trying to, trying to up our game right now. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the openness is critical, uh, for sure. Um, I think there is, you know, the anonymous aspect as well. Uh, I think it's it's crucial to understand that in this world, uh, it's basically free to create a new identity. And uh, many, many of those new identities are civils. Let's just be, uh, many are, you know, for authentic reasons. I just don't want to use my main wallet when I'm doing X or Y. And that's fine. But if you don't want to use your main wallet and so you create a thousand of them and you use them to contribute to a given grant <laughs> so that that grant gets matching funds, that's an attack that actually conflates, confuses, disrupts funding. It, 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 it makes it impossible or very difficult, let's say, to actually determine what does that community want? And so that uh, is also something we need to recognize. The blockchain gives you that openness, that transparency. Hopefully freedom from capture, but again, we can talk about that, but it also lowers the bar for pseudo or fake identities, which uh, are our bread and butter. Well, I was going to ask if we could define a term that even I used at the beginning here in terms of introducing the conversation, that's civil resistance, yeah. civil attack, civil. Maybe Guillaume, you want to take this on. Can you just briefly define that and in... And then kind of talk a bit about it in terms of this frame of reference from like what Evan just said, which is we're free to create as many identities as we want, you know, in this space, which I'm, I wouldn't say guilty of that. I think I, I benefit from that freedom. Um, and how, but how does that differentiate between having that freedom to create multiple identities to actually civil attacking a protocol, right? In, in the case of, of Gitcoin, for instance. Yeah, so short-term definition of a Sibyl is someone that is creating multiple identities on the blockchain or on any system and in order to profit from a system. So, for example, in the case of Gitcoin grants, we are trying to profit from the matching fund that is maybe more rewarding than anything else we could do. The Sibyls, they are trying to overtake their cost of forgery. So here, the cost of forgery is the cost uh, to create and attack the run uh, in order to re to get more funds back from some donations. Of course, and I think it's needed still on the blockchain to create and to be able to create multiple identities because it's pseudonymous and we don't want all of transaction or daily history to be fully public. You don't show your bank account and your bank statement to your neighborhood or to your friends, probably. So why should you do it with blockchain? So here, we, we may be guilty, but we, we are guilty for good reasons. And I think that's something that everyone should take care of and be very cautious about it. 
about their privacy and not mixing their identities too much on the blockchain. And by the way, if we define identities, like everyone has a different identity. When you go to with one group of friends in the real world, you have one identity. Maybe you are um, some uh, sportsman. And then when you go to uh, your job, uh, you are someone that is very good developer. And so we have multiple identities already in the real world. So we also may have this in the digital world. Yeah, the difference is, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, when you have these multiple personas, right, uh, in the real world, you could be, uh, like you said, you could be, you know, a developer to a group of friends, to your colleagues. Uh, you know, you could be an art collector to a whole different community. Um, you could be a fantastic salsa dancer at night, you know, when you go out with your friends. But the, the difference is you get to choose when and if you want to reveal these other personas to the other group of friends, right? These people don't necessarily have access to that information. On the blockchain, it's a bit different, right? Because it's a public ledger. So any time you transact in any way, someone can actually see how you're transacting with this persona, with this identity. So I think it's important, uh, in my opinion, to... Uh, create distinct identities that are not connected to one another so that you can participate in different communities in different ways without necessarily revealing that information to one another. Is that fair to say? It is. Yeah. I think so. But the, the just... one takeaway that I got was, sorry, Evan, is that the main difference between that and a Sybil attacker is profit. You're profiting off a system because you are using or leveraging these identities to benefit yourself. Yes. In the case of a grant, of a grant uh, you should restrict yourself to vote only from one account and not from all your uh, different personal identities you have on the blockchain. Because you, you may not realize that you are disrupting the allocation of funds uh, to some of the projects. Like maybe the project you are supporting is going to get more funds, um, but you are hurting another project that may not have the same person voting for them. This also happens a lot uh, when people are expecting a reward in the future. So people would vote for grants expecting that some NFT may be airdropped to them or something. So that's also something that people are not aware we are becoming CBs when they do it, and, but they do it for the reward. We're just enthusiastic about supporting a project. We're like, oh, I'm going to do it from, oh, I forgot I had this wallet and I had that wallet. And you start to do it, but you don't realize that's an attack. And like you said, you're, you're, you're actually disrupting a system that uh, would otherwise benefit someone else that's not you know, participating in the same behavior. Evan, you wanted to say something earlier and I interrupted you. Just, Go ahead. No, no, just two things. One is we're, we, we work with uh, communities, of course, and, and helping them exactly navigate this. Because the goal is transparency. Mm -hmm. So here's here's the line for us, civil, non-civil, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you should write that down. It's, it's a little bit unfair to only do it retroactively. Um, that's one thing. Second thing is, is, you know, we're 20 minutes or so in and I've failed to mention passport, right? So uh, one of many uh, ID projects, but one that is uh, also out of Gitcoin, doing amazing work, enabling folks to self-attest uh to aspects of their identity and that is um really proving to be helpful it raises key concept 
um, that uh, we just talked about was cost of forgery, right? So that cost of forgery potentially is increased by projects like Passport, because if you think about it, okay, you you, you need to have a, a, just as an example, a GitHub stamp may be helpful. All right, well, I mean, I can script that. Well, that's not enough. You need twi- you know enough tweets. Okay, that's not enough. You need a lens protocol. Okay, that, I mean, at a certain point, we're going to get the goal is collectively uh, we're more of the of the part you know watching the round and squelching uh, the symbols that get through. Passport is more the part of increasing proactively the cost of forgery. But at a certain point, we want to raise that cost of forgery so that the symbols go somewhere else. But, you know, meanwhile, some of the costs are dropping, like the current round is uh, being run largely on optimism. So that's good. Gas costs are down. OK, but then gas costs are down. So the cost of forgery is down like a lot. 100x just on that basis, probably. Um, so it's just uh, uh, something we're looking at constantly. But writing down just the basics of what what do we think a civil is? Uh, OK, if what about these programmatic airdrop farmers? I mean, if you if you look at and at any given moment on uh, Ethereum and try to do a, a decent graph, a a good luck. It's uh, it's not trivial, but b you see a lot of this sort of behavior where some of the top um, the most central um, some some of the most central smart contracts being used by donors to Bitcoin rounds, as an example are often associated with uh, airdrop farmers, right? So you do see that kind of behavior. Okay, but when is that good? When is it bad? Do we, some 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 communities are like, well, maybe that's gonna be liquidity for our token. We don't wanna close off all airdrop farmers, but you ought to at least write it down and try to do so in a transparent way. Um, but it's not all about data science. It's also about the openness and enabling folks to try to work in a in an open way. So yeah, you brought up Gitcoin Passport, which thank you so much for for bringing that up because I think when we talk about data and using that to, I guess, create more sophisticated identities in this case, I think Gitcoin Passport is definitely a pioneer in this area. Uh, give us a few examples of ways that they leverage these this open data, this on-chain data. You mentioned Lens. So Lens identity is on-chain, right? Anything, what are some of the other uh, ways that you can prove your identity or, or or I guess not prove your identity, but increase the reputation of your identity, I guess, for lack of a better word, with Gitcoin Passport? You want to take it? I just went through the Passport exercise and I just clicked madly everything. But there are they're always adding some more on-chain uh, self-attestation methods. Uh, but I can't, I can't remember some of the some of the new ones. Maybe staking uh, would be an example of that. Right. Is a Google account, Facebook account, Gmail account, Twitter. So a lot of off-chain also yep. stamps, mm-hmm. but also some more advanced protocols such as right ID, a proof of personhood, and others that systems that try to prove uh, the humanness of someone. And these systems are very interesting. And by the way, I, I definitely recommend reading the Vitalik piece on that uh, part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on word coin and proof of personhood systems, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, it, if we get started helps. on that, we'll never finish this. <laughs> yes. But it helps also in the context of proving that one one person is one person. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you mentioned some of these badges would be, I guess, uh, off-chain sources. My question then, and obviously I'm not saying that you're represented as a Gitcoin or Gitcoin passport here, so I don't expect you to have an answer, but based, you know, being an open data community that's working with on-chain data, what is some interesting on-chain data you think would be interesting to have them add as a way to validate or prove your identity um, and increase, I guess, your reputation score and civil resistance on Gitcoin grants? That's not an easy one. <laughs> so I think already the Passport team is doing their best <laughs> to mm-hmm. add some stamps about on-chain analysis and on-chain stamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably someone that is um, stacking some tokens or whatever the, the token. It has not to be a Gitcoin tokens. It could be uh, Ethereum or something else. So if we, prove, we can prove that we have some amounts of tokens and also using some decentralized protocols for lending, borrowing, uh, visa, it showcases real activity on the blockchain. But a new user that is onboarding yeah. onto Gitcoin and that is voting may not have that activity. So that's also a balance to find between uh, new users that are onboarded and old users that can deal with protocols such as Uniswap and Aave. It's a real tension, uh, but on the other hand, it, it kind of makes sense. So the you, you have these off-chain methods of attestation, right? Which presumably are particularly uh, applicable to um, folks who don't have the on-chain history, right? Mm-hmm. And so that new user, because otherwise a, a lot of the signals we see from Sybils are they, they can look a little newbie-ish. Now, there's some other signals that we've talked about, but maybe we don't want to talk really loudly about <laughs> that um, also, I think, w- are, are making it into passport stamps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the beautiful thing of if you run, uh, I mean, actually, there's been a massive amount of manual analysis done. Uh, so, you know, the human correlation injure, engine over there is Connor, if you know, <laughs> he has done. There's an enormous amount of work and others have at Gitcoin. Um, but uh, we're basically adding to that now uh, generative AI approaches or GN, uh, and GNNs to really be able to predict behaviors. And, and those then come up with uh, new symptoms. Uh, and some of those, to the extent you can discern them, maybe those could be something that a uh, could become a stamp in the sense that you could ask somebody like, yeah, you know, a test that you are. Yeah, but that's a tough one because, yeah, there's these patterns of behavior, you know, exactly how you were to test to, uh, you know, that's me or that's not me is a, is a little bit unclear, but mm-hmm. um, it's a it's an ongoing area and it's always in, improving. There is the EAS project, so shout out to them, which is kind of within the optimism sphere, which is, as I'm sure you're aware, um, people are really excited about this notion of having attestations being used. Uh, to help to uh, validate any any piece of information, right? It, it, in a way, it's a little bit analogous to to um, you know hypercerts, right? Mm-hmm. This idea mm-hmm. that we're going to set up a way to use the on-chain methodology to set up in a way uh, metadata so that you can validate someone else's carbon offsets, mm-hmm. and then we can you know do that in a transparent way. I think with EAS as a primitive that Passport and others are starting to support. You're going to see a lot of creativity around how maybe others could even help to do this attestation as well. 
Uh, but identity is a is a very deep and infinite well, as you know. So we, we could go down further, but 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 there is some interesting stuff happening in that space. Well, yeah, and actually, I just wanted to touch on something just to uh, differentiate. You know, these attestations are built on top of your identities, right? So I think it's important to recognize that there are projects out there that are building out these attestation tools. I know Optimism themselves has, you know, attestation, I think, as a service, attestation station, something like that, where, you know, collectively they look at all of these different, um, I guess, credentials that people have accumulated based on certain activities. So it's really interesting to see how you go beyond just generating identities, right? Potential civil identities, and then being able to build on top of these identities, all of these other uh, credentialing blocks, right? Or attestation blocks to validate the value, right? Of that identity. And then the cost of forgery, which you were mentioning earlier. I want to go a little bit backwards now to something you mentioned, because I think that this is very relevant to, you know, this podcast. And that is your usage of AI to increase the way that you can, um, you know, analyze, I guess, the uh, type of, uh, you know, identities and potential attacks that are coming through the system. My background, firstly, is, you know, in information technology, cybersecurity. Before I came into Web3, that's what I was doing. That was my nine to five. Um, And one thing that I am reminded of is how malware defense systems evolved over time where initially there was a library of definitions of you know malware that existed obviously that that, that was not something that was going to scale because there wasn't enough time for someone to continue to upload those definitions so eventually it went to a, a heuristic engine right which i think is what you mentioned your team kind of using today to be able to analyze this data and then now there's these ai driven uh, systems that are more predicting these attacks based on, you know, all of this big data they have in terms of how malware normally uh, would be used uh, to attack a system. Describe to me then how that evolution of, you know, uh, you know, kind of analysis, data analysis has evolved at your organization and how AI is intending to be used. I mean, it's starting to pop up in in the hackathons and and so forth. You see folks uh, using certainly clustering, uh, right, which is uh, maybe more data science than than full AI. Uh, But then things like um, uh, algorithms that will, well, cosine similarity as an example, uh, where you can actually kind of look at, embed a set of transactions in a a space, right, and then a vector or or, uh, uh, n-dimensional space, but let's say a vector, and then look at similarity between those set, that pattern of behavior. And that ends up being a building block that typically an AI system would use. But you can just, if you get the, if you get transactions into this embedded space, you can do cosine similarity like lookups on, yeah, this looks awfully like, you know, other symbols that we, we've seen. And it's, um, it's sort of not only it's not baby steps because it's non-trivial, but it steps towards the full use of, of AI to then learn across these. And you're using not always, but you can use uh, some flavor of model to do that initial embedding as well. So to back up a level, I would say, yeah, you, you can start with you know linear models that take 
known Legos. And we're really proud of the open data community and previously Gitcoin Legos. And uh, and you can see those and you can maybe tie them together with linear or other models. That's kind of ML feature engineering driven. But then you can start to really take uh, interesting data, like again, the last K-hop, where K should be a pretty low number, otherwise you're just melt, you know, you have a big Google uh, bill. But anyway, K-hop transactions to certain wallets, and then look at those using some of the primitive uh, basic approaches of, of AI, like cosine similarity or other, some uh, Jacquard distance, I think is another one that Pao Pao has used, et cetera. And that, that's useful. But then there's sort of the, maybe not penultimate, but a step on top is to maybe use a, a, a graph neural network or similar on top to then learn across the complexity of Ethereum um, or other uh, networks. And, and it doesn't, on the one hand, it's open, but on the other hand, I think we just have to put out there that early on, like sort of an Achilles heel of Ethereum is it's open, it's transparent, but logging in a structured way so all transactions can clearly be discerned was never a first-class citizen within the development of Ethereum, and it still isn't. So it's non-trivial to figure out really even for those of us who have had to do taxes, what is my balance, right? What really happened? I mean, there's so many, as we know, everyone on, you know, there's so many intra smart contract transactions and et cetera. And so it's not as simple as here's a hash address, a wallet transacting to another. Uh, so that's a, that's a big vulnerability um, uh, that we, we could talk a little bit about. But yeah, it's sort of a three-step process heuristics, Legos, tie those together, maybe also add almost as one of those an embedding and ability to look at similarity scores, but then add on top of that something like a GNN, maybe that'll just learn more autonomously and in a sense, suggest features uh, underneath. What do you think, Pablo, uh, am I close? Or uh, he's actually living it and, you know, shout out A to his project, Civil score, but B, you know, he's 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 uh, you're talking to a multi-time hackathon winner here, not just a participant. <laughs> yeah, what would you say? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I can talk a bit more about that project, Civil Score, where it's sure it's true it's not using um, very deep machine learning models, or there is no machine learning almost. Machine learning comes after. Like the package is just to uncover some things about an address. So maybe one address, uh, we can basically cluster it based on the number of interaction it has, it had with another address. So that's something the package could do. It could also retrieve a cluster based on similarity of transaction between two accounts. So that's one algorithm that worked very well. And you don't have to use machine learning to get to some of these points. You can start with like basic methods and get some results with on-chain data, and then move on to like more complex uh, machine learning with graph neural networks and embeddeds and many techniques you could think of. Also, after after 
when when you build your data set, you, you could build a data set by extracting features from transaction of any account and try to tell the, ma the model, oh, this address is a bot, this address is a Sybil. These two addresses are connected and you can think of a model that will learn on it and then help you out to flag some other addresses and then comes the machine learning. But yeah, so we are different steps. Uh, yeah. Or you can approach. Yeah, I know one, one project that we're close to that is not machine learning, but is using graph analytics is temporal is an, a leader in open source temporal graph analytics. It's called RAF, Raftery, and they're funded by Turing Institute out of the UK. So basically UK government and are used for very large scale analysis of social networks and which, you know, where a lot of civil analysis came from, right? Um, so uh, yeah, where did that bot farm come from? You know, things like that. Uh, but uh, they have a very, uh, but to, to your point, it's it's not it's not true. Uh, it's not true deep learning, um, but it, what it is is the ability to apply these algorithms at reasonable to large scale efficiently. So motif counting is a classic one. So seeing these patterns, great, but counting motifs turns out to be like MP complex, or I think they've never proven it, but it, it seems to be at least MP complex. <laughs> and so, you know, how you, you gotta be thoughtful about how you're gonna do this they have this Rust-based engine that really hums um, and is based on all the cool underlying stuff like Apache Arrow, so it gets data in and out easily. So graph analytics itself is a big area as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we're geeks, or at least I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really geeking out about GNNs. Uh, there's a lot of activity in the use of them for fraud, anti-fraud. Um, and so, the, you know, that's where we're going. Um, but we, we can do a lot uh, without having to expand that level of computation. So in case we didn't define it yet, what are GNNs? GNNs are graph neural networks. Okay. So you're Great. basically taking a graph, you know, of nodes and edges, and then predicting on that, what's the next node going to look like, or the next ed edges, or maybe the next pattern. So mm -hmm. you could predict a whole graph pattern as well. That's amazing. You know, I, and and I don't know how many people know this. I know I've been talking about it sporadically on on X, so weird to call it that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I earlier this year I started Mosaic, you know, as a way to uh, identify uh, impactful contributors and reward them. Right. Um, this all is an evolution from the work that I started last year with Orange Protocol. Uh, we we're more on the credentialing side. Now we're more on the you know rewarding side of things. So whether that be some sort of like loyalty NFT or a loyalty token, for instance, um, exploring that you know factor. One thing that we were spending a lot of time on was this analytics side of things, like the graphing, charting. It is incredibly hard. You know, it, it, it's something that it was a very ambitious take on, on our part and something that we realized that we can't do alone, at least not in this point in time where we're at. So we're just focusing more on the reward mechanism now. But it'd be really wonderful to work with a team like yours, you know, to be able to integrate the two where you're able to design, define and design, I guess, the back end 
that looks at user activity, uh, you know, in a given community or a protocol or something else, uh, and then apply some sort of scoring to that activity, then then they get rewarded for. It's like, hey, you're in the top. 10 or 20% or or whatever that becomes a uh, reward criteria of this community. Bravo, here's some incentives, like starting to build out these kind of, uh, I guess, attestation Legos, reward Legos, etc. So that's really great. And I, I guess I just say that to say that that analytics, uh, graphing and charting is incredibly hard. It's not something that just anyone can take on. So bravo for taking that on and for having a team that's able to produce you know, the the products that you do and support the the projects that you do as well. Yeah, just a word on the the, the team. It's a community that, uh, you know, has historically grown, uh, let's say like a puffer fish, you know, hackathon on, big community, right? hundreds of people on the Discord, hackathon not on, a little bit less so. Uh, we actually have live now, uh, we've gathered a little bit of funding and as the funding comes in, literally from the current grant round, uh, where it goes right into a multi-sig that is controlled by hats. So we kind of voted on who are uh, folks like Pow Pow here, um, who are ODC, we call them ODC Jedi. I'm not quite sure how we came up with that name, but, but I'm, I'm not against it, but I don't know. I'm, Jedi and Rangers, maybe, there's a lot of things going on here. We didn't even cover that yet, but go on. Sorry, finish your yeah, thought. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm more of like the Chewbacca personally, but anyway, but <laughs> but uh, and and so all of that funding is uh, goes right into a pot, and then we're allocating it in our case through uh, everything's on GitHub, everything. So we have these issues that then tie into our D work. So my point is, if you're listening to this and you are, you know, uh, you're interested in what we're doing, uh, yeah, you're not going to get rich on our bounties, but you can find them um, out there on our Discord, um, out there on uh, D work itself, and on our GitHub as well. And please join us. It's your Community. I mean, this is obviously a need. It's kind of fun stuff. It's challenging. We're all learning a lot. And I just want to make that really clear. There's uh, a, a few of us help kind of summons it into existence, but it's just getting going and it's growing now sustainably between hackathons as well. So please join and, and get involved and say hi. Yeah, you... You brought up, and I love how you're introducing a lot of these things. So, you know, it's effortless for me as the host to continue the conversation. You talked about, you know, open data community as a DAO. I think one of the things that, for me at least, was hugely interesting and drew me to the world of DAOs uh, when, you know, that term started becoming a lot more popular, you know, in 2020, in 2021, I guess, Um is this aspect of being able to build communities that are uh, kind of working independently, come together, uh, you know, autonomously? There is no, you know, centralized force that's saying, "Hey, come in, you're hired, you're fired." <laughs> you know, this is the work that you must do. It's almost a, a, a world of self-discovery, both in terms of the way that people come together, but also the work that you do. But more importantly than that, too, is these on-chain attributes that or tools that you can use to actually compose these communities. And you talked about the role of different tools in your own DAO, where 
it allows for people to join and participate and earn rewards and then becoming, you know, uh, I guess, growing, growing the role within that own, that community themselves. Can you just maybe just briefly touch on the importance of that as far as like how the open data community came to be? You know, the vast majority of the talent in the world is not in my time zone, right? although Silicon Valley, we like to, you know, but I mean, it's all over the world, right? And how are we, what, what, oh, to figure out what I'm going to contribute to, I need to wake up at 2 a.m. and then somehow put my best foot forward. I need to be loud enough to be noticed on this call, right? English isn't my first language. How's that going to work? So one of the things I'm most proud about, and again, these are like sprouts as opposed to trees, right? But most proud about is that we're trying to use the tool set out there in an open way, but also trying to stay as async as possible. So when people have time after work or during work for that matter, or, uh, or you know, and I'm also really proud that uh, that you that you pulled the uh, ripcord there, uh, Papa, and uh, went all web three. Anyway, so async is the one thing that people I, I don't think and and fully remote, of course, uh, grok, but then otherwise mm -hmm. we're trying to use you know just the right ingredients. Yeah. So we also teased and just earlier that we wanted to touch on some of these emerging trends in crypto and AI. I think you touched a little bit on how you as a project. Uh, and founder are looking at AI to add value to the work that you do. Tell me a little bit more about just generally that space and what you see coming in or just maybe on the fringes that's really exciting to you. Because, I mean, AI could be a lot of noise too. Uh, you know, as we've seen, it's 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 saturated our social feeds. But let's let's try to find the signal from the noise in AI. What are some of those things that are really exciting to you that are that you're seeing right now? Uh, sure. So there is a project that will be announced shortly um, of some collaborators that we we and, and others have, including Ocean. So Ocean Protocol uh, at some level is just using Web3 um, as a gateway, uh, if you will, to access control uh, data and the data can be anywhere. Um, but it's also enabling you to do compute on that data as well, which has a lot of practical benefits as well, because moving data is, is hard. So, you know, Ocean is real. It goes, you know, it has a token, so it goes up and down with the level of hype, uh, but we're, we appreciate them. There's a project that, and not the only one, but there's a project called Algavera, which is somehow using LLMs and helping people uh, to, to build their own agents, right? And run them in a way that is uh, decentralized that's pretty cool. Um, and then I'll just say, though, that if you look at literature on civils, civil attacks, how to defend them with AI, you pretty quickly can find civils are another way or another way that it's described uh, for injection attacks to be described. So there's this notion that we should go towards federated learning, right, where um, yeah, let's try to decentralize the learning process so it's not all, you know, Sam Altman may be a great guy, but maybe we don't want him to run the world with his AI, right? So let's decentralize literally the training. Okay, as soon as you decentralize the training, you get into the question of, okay, well, this node is telling me that, I don't know, you know, Evan did X. Well, do we trust that node or is that node, in fact, 
a civil. So it's just, it gets very meta. When you get into federated training of AI, you actually run into a civil. So we, we may try to train models in a distributed way in the future, decentralized distributed way in the future to defend from civils, but we may get attacked by civils doing injection attacks where, you know, they're feeding back negative information. Anyway, decentralizing training is really a big deal, I think, uh, to help democratize it. And overall democratization of AI is crucial, I think. And LLMs really help it. And a lot of this stuff coming out of Hugging Face and some of uh, Bob's neighbors, um, uh, the uh, the FAIR project, which is meta, I'm not a big Facebooker. I'm not even on Insta. Uh, but, uh, but man, the code coming out of there is unbelievable. And uh, it's some of the fundamental projects that can be used. Literally, I'm running it on my laptop to do some pretty interesting stuff. So um, I'll just say, if you go down the rabbit hole, keep an eye on FAIR keep a, uh, and the projects coming out of there like five. There's a there's a bunch of them. And then uh, keep an eye on decentralized training. But popping up a level to the crypto space, I do think, you know, watching what Ocean's going to be announcing here and what they're doing. And Algebra has some really sharp people uh as well um yeah and there's these virtual ai and crypto summits happening uh the algorithm is involved in uh, as well amazing yeah. now as we are getting close to wrapping this up i do have a question that i want to ask both of you but i did notice guillaume you're going to say something so please go ahead yeah just short one uh i would add like zk proof of someone using a machine learning mode that's something that is emerging trend and Lot of future in the battery arts. I love it. Yeah, I know ZKs and ZK proofs are something that are gaining a lot of popularity. Not new, obviously, but I think there's people are recognizing the value of that, especially in some sort of like privacy preserving uh, fashion and credentialing and so on. Um, so the question that I wanted to ask both of you, maybe we start with you, Guillaume. You know, we've talked about the world of on-chain data, open data, civil resistance, just civil identities, and even talked about, you know, how AI is being implemented at the open data community. We've, we've, we've touched on a lot. What are some of the things that are really exciting to you as you look at this space in five or 10 years? So for, for the on-chain space or for crypto in general? Let's let's put it from the lens of crypto, but if we can emphasize on data, huh? data, that'd be great. So on-chain data, I would see more 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 things like on-chain and using decentralized learning, as Evan talked about, and zk to prove that we are using that model. Someone could also touch and pay a stream, pay an API call to ChatGPT or an equivalent. Uh, open version of chat GPT model. And it would get also the proof that he is using uh, that model using a ZK proof. So that's the things uh, I could see coming in the next years. Very exciting about this. And yeah, yeah I would also touch on maybe Arkham intelligence and over are building uh, something big around data science, but uh, it's on it's behind closed doors. So I also see a trend here that may not be very good for the future of crypto. And, yeah. yeah, I had a um, a space almost a month ago 
when, you know, Arkham Intelligence started getting a little bit more popularity. And, you know, I reserved my opinion. I obviously, I, well, I should say I, I stated it as it being my opinion, obviously, that I don't have any inside information. I extended an invitation to their founder. I would love to have them on this podcast too, to understand that a little bit better, because I do agree uh, from the stand, standpoint of closed door, uh, you know, bounting, um, you know, of, of, of human intelligence, of, of human data. I think for me personally, that that's a that's a bit of a you know sensitive area to work in. I think that also touches on open source, um, you know, as a as a model for developing uh, in the world of open data and on chain data. Which you know, I think that's something that is part of your values uh, at Open Data Community, being that you were, I guess, inspired and born from Gitcoin. That's kind of like their premise. Um, so I can see how that's of concern and something that's definitely worth having a conversation about. Um, so thank you for putting both the good and the bad, because I think that that's uh, very important to have perspective uh, on both. Uh, what about you, Evan? What do you, what do you think looking well, down five to 10 years, what are some of the good and the bad that you see down, uh, you know, the road for crypto and on-chain? Yeah. Data? I mean, team open, if you will, uh, you see pocket continuing to develop, you see true blocks, maybe the Ethereum devs are, chill out a little bit and enable uh, better and, and, and simpler access to the data itself. Uh, and so that's that's great and, and so forth. And you have folks like us uh, so that we have a coordination mechanism that is transparent, authentic and reputable, global, right? Mm -hmm. uh, resistant to capture that that's team open that that we win if we really embrace that. And it, it, it involves being uncomfortably open, I think. Right. I mean, open source, we're not after your jobs, but we are going to hold the bar higher. Right. So if you're a half assed, uh, I mean, analyst, uh, you know, and we bring a community together to do kick ass analysis, it's not going to make you look good. If you're somebody like Umar, who's at Gitcoin, who's a freaking amazing, you're just you're going to help guide us. Right. So that's team open. It takes all of us embracing team close is just as we we're saying. I mean, it's it's easier we we don't fix the substrate. We don't fix our mentality. We don't build the models in the open. And and um, we continue to be programmed by AI, which is what, what's happened. I mean, that's really what's going on. Uh, you know, ad, the ad model has helped train models that are freaking really good at getting us to do stuff like click on things. And those mm -hmm. same technologies can be used more broadly, not just in commerce, but in social control, truly, right? And so that that is a very ominous future, and it's a, it's a potential one. So it takes us all being uncomfortably open, I think, mm -hmm. and and rooting for the good folks like like again, Pocket. They're not the only distributed RPC. Um, I said True Blocks. I think even the Ocean's up a level. The Algavera is doing AI, trying to do it in a in a just decentralized way, et cetera. Yeah, I'm going to have to make sure, excuse me, to grab all these links from you so we can put it in the description or not even the description, a comment below this so that anybody who's listening to this can just go and check that out because I think you brought up a lot of really amazing projects and certainly some of the ones that I'm going to be reaching out to to sure. come and participate in this podcast because, you know, that's the point of it. So as we close out, you know, uh, I guess I would ask, did we fail to mention something here that you think is um, kind of something that we should talk about or at least note of? I, I would just say 
take take the time, the effort to try to support decentralized work at the data layer. Um, you're right. Graph analysis is hard enough. Do I really want to run my own node? Yeah. But in the medium to long term, we have to do that work mm -hmm. to support the substrate. Fantastic. Yeah. Guillaume, any last words? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Running yeah. nodes with DAP nodes or any other system that helps you do that. It brings more decentralization to blockchain and keeps it as it is and not Great. behind closed doors. Thank you. So where can we go find you? Give us a couple of links here so that, you know, for those of us who've made it to the end of the podcast, we can go immediately and go check that out. So you can find me on Twitter or on the Open Data Community uh, Discord. I'm at Poopoo or Poopoo Web 3 on X. And you can also participate and vote in the grant round. I'm currently on with the Civil Score project. And yeah, you can find me on the Open open Source uh, Grants round. Great. Yeah, and I'm just ePal 101 most places, Discord uh, X. Etc. Um, reach out. OpenDataCommunity.org is our very creative URL, uh, and you can find links to the uh, Discord and the GitHub uh, there. We're also we're on the Web3 education piece of the current grants around, and so check us out there and and give us a a vote, um, give us a shekel or so, uh, but don't don't spin up a thousand. Sybils and give us, you know, a thousand because we will have to help squelch you. But yeah, thank you. All right, fantastic. So without further ado, thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. Make sure you check out our episode next week and follow uh, our guests on all the social links that they shared and check out Open Data Community at opendatacommunity.org. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.